The Guardian. Ireland is fuming. Working very hard, and I think I deserve to get the 80% wage that we were promised when I started college. It's just like slave labour. This is one of perhaps 400 student nurses taking part in another of Dublin's now regular protests. They've made huge mistakes, and if we don't punish them, they'll just go on making the same stupid mistakes. Nurses are just one of the many groups furious that they're paying the price for the reckless lending of Irish banks to rapacious property tycoons. The economic crash has led to the outgoing Irish government being one of the most reviled in modern history. Next Friday's general election will, in all likelihood, result in the end of Fianna Fáil's stranglehold on Irish politics since the 1920s. I'm Henry MacDonald, Ireland correspondent for The Guardian and The Observer. In this week's Focus podcast, I'm going to explore the sea change in Irish politics, and I'll take you through the key constituency of Dublin Central, close to one of the business districts that helped fuel what was once known as the Celtic Tiger. In this week's televised debate between the party leaders, tempers ran high. I don't believe in negative campaigning. I'm usually the victim of that. Punch and Judy shows is what we're getting at the moment in the Doyle. I think Parliament must be stronger. Politics has got to change to one of compassion, encouragement, understanding, motivation and leading people. I want this country to be a better place okay. and have the pride in our country, pride in our politics more, and pride in our people. The Taoiseach has paid more than President Obama for a yeah, small state of four million people. This country people. is in a, a real serious mess at the moment. And I think that what we have to commit ourselves to doing is to working together. The debate was a five-way affair from which Fine Gael's Enda Kenny, hot favourite to be the next Taoiseach or Prime Minister, emerged unscathed. But the first thing you need to know about Irish politics is this. Notions of left and right are generally speaking of secondary importance. Up until very recently, Southern Irish politics was dominated by the civil war that produced the modern state back in the 1920s. Fine Gael came out of that wing of the independence movement which accepted the 1921 treaty with Britain and the partition of the island. Fianna Fáil initially rejected the treaty, sparking a vicious civil war but eventually joined the political system and ultimately became the most successful force in post-independent history. That is, until now. Stephen Collins is the political editor of the Irish Times and also author of Fianna Fáil, The Power Game. This time they're not just losing an election, they're going to be beaten and very badly beaten. It looks as if they'll be in third place, not just second place. They've been in first place since 1932. So Fianna Fáil will have to reassess itself, its future. Uh, And the real danger for the party is that they could be reduced to such a small size. Other opposition parties might take over from them, Sinn Féin or some of the left-wing parties. I think that's highly unlikely, but it's still possible. We're going to be in Dublin Central. I mean, it was the impregnable fortress of Bertie Ahern, well over 40% of the vote last election. It's an incredible turnaround, isn't it, in that constituency? It's totemic, really. It is. Dublin Central was where uh, Bertie Ahern got two seats uh, in the last election for his party. Uh, He had a huge personal following. Uh, It looks as if the party will have no seat at all in this constituency this time round. And that pattern has been replicated across the country, particularly in urban areas, down Cork and Cork North Central, where the new party leader is from Cork. It looks as if the party might end up with no seats either in that working class area. I think particularly working class areas. Fianna Fáil had always a strong support among working class communities, uh, but that has been shattered uh, and the party is losing support to the Labour Party, to the left-wing parties, to Sinn Féin in those areas. In middle class areas and among the rural community, uh, Fianna Gael is picking up uh, a lot of support from Fianna Fáil. 
Are the opinion polls slightly underestimating their support? The opinion polls could be. It's hard to believe that Fianna Fáil are as low as 15%. In our last opinion poll in the Irish Times, Fianna Fáil were at 15%. Uh, and just given the party's history and how dominant it's been, it's hard to reconcile that. But it's, whatever way it is, it's very, very low. The party may gain a little bit of support in the final few days. When it, when it comes to the ballot paper as well, voters will be voting for people they know, for individuals and not for the party. So I think some of the individuals might escape that. Fianna Fáil itself has become a toxic brand. We have toxic banks in this country and I think Fianna Fáil has become a toxic party. Uh, but some of the individuals who are popular with their communities will survive that. And I think that's the party's only real hope of coming back is in any kind of shape to uh, build itself in opposition. Stephen Collins there, political editor of the Irish Times. Well, we're on the Lewis uh, Tram uh, in Middle Abbey Street in central Dublin. We're on our way to Smithfield, uh, an, an old part of Dublin, but during the boom, when there was lots of money around, it was earmarked to be one of the showpieces of the Celtic Tiger wealth that we once had, as were these trams built at the same time. We are now standing in Smithfield Square, one of the oldest parts of Dublin Central, and we are surrounded by, on the one side, gleaming new apartments built during the property boom, and on the other by the Jamison's Distillery building, where the whiskey is made, and also a block that used to house hotels. I say used to because the hotels are closed, as are many of the shops to, to let and, and the sale signs up. On the other side, you've got lots of apartments that are lying idle. Now, during the boom, some of these apartments, some of the more luxury ones at the top, the penthouse suites, were going for upwards of a million euros. They wouldn't be worth anywhere near that now. And indeed, many of the apartments are rented out, some to the council. The homeowners did not come to Smithfield Square because this started to kick off just when the boom bust. So, sir, just tell me your name, your business, and how long you've been here. Joe Forkin. Um, We've been in business here in Smithfield for the last uh, nine years, restaurant business. We're ideally located here just directly across from the Jemison Whiskey Distillery, leading on to the main square, a number of businesses, at least uh, 12, 13 businesses that have closed down in the last two years, uh, which has been devastating to the area, as the obvious employment and uh, and footfall in the area has dramatically uh, decreased. There's actually just a restaurant across the road that just closed last week, so um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's tough and it's not going to get any easier looking down the line. Do you feel like the last man standing almost? We are, we, we are, Henry, as you can see around you here, we're in a, we're in a, a duck lane, as it's called. Um, there's, there's four vacant units directly across. This was original uh, Celtic Tiger, um, ideally, ideally located. Um, interior designers had moved in here. There was a giftware shop, but obviously they are, they're um, number one victims in any sort of downturn. So um, that's, as you can see, that's what's happened. We're now in the shopping centre of Prussia Street in the Stony Batter area of Dublin Central. It's a very much traditional working class area. At one time, Fianna Fáil would have had a large working class base in this part of uh, Dublin. Bertie Ahern would have been phenomenally popular, but it seems not anymore. They haven't to hope. Fianna Fáil, that is, haven't yeah. Haven't to hope, no. Absolutely Were you ever a Bertie Ahern fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask you who you'll you vote for this time? Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't know. I'm going to be a kind of a floating voter, you know? Yes. Just, I mean, it's, we used to have a guy here called Tony Gregory, but he died. He was there, you know, everybody voted for Tony here because he was great for the area, but now it's, it's not the same since he's gone. 
and Fianna Fáil won't be getting any preferences. Definitely not. We're all struggling and there they are floating around living the life of luxury and it's the ordinary people who are suffering because of them. Do you know what I mean? So I've no faith in any of them. You were just saying there, everything for sale in one euro today, why is that? Everything is one, well we're a charity shop and it's February and we want to clearance and we want to bring in our new stock and we like to give our customers a bargain and so we are selling everything at one euro until five o'clock. Are, are, are people, do you notice something? An increase in sales, huge increase in sales. People are taking bags, green bags, filling them for 10, 15 euros. Is that because people aren't well off these days and have much money to spend? Yes, and you know, the way they look at it is it's a bargain and even if they get a few wares out of it and some people who can't afford to buy good things, they come in and they see labels like we've had gold, Basler, we had a Ralph Lauren jacket, our shirts, the men are buying shirts, the men are buying suits, suit jackets. So you're you're doing well and that's a sign of the times. Well, we're doing very well, thank God. And, um, and you know, our charity is for people with intellectual disability, so it's working both ways. And we're all volunteers. So. You see people passing this, this solving centre every day. Are people hurting? Hurting. In their pockets? Absolutely. Ireland is very hurt at the moment. People are very worried. Um, they're very concerned. People who were never worried or concerned before are worried and concerned. I mean, I would be considered middle class, well off, in inverted commas, middle class, but I'm concerned, I'm worried. Um, I'm worried for my children, my grandchildren. Um, People are worried about their money in the bank. Is it worth anything? Um, I know of one person who's going abroad to open a bank account. There is serious concern in this country and there is very serious concern about our next government. Who would you like our next government to be? Personally, you know, I want Fianna Gael in one party, no messing. Um, I don't want any party beholden to another and making deals behind closed doors. I want one strong government in who can make decisions, stick with them without looking over their shoulders or across the house at who's going to vote with them when the bell goes. In this election, the financial disaster that has befallen Ireland has changed everything. Fine Gael are surging ahead in the polls. They may even govern as a single party. And here in Dublin Central, they are on course to win back a seat they thought they'd lost forever to the Fianna Fáil machine. It's an historic turn in fortunes for Fianna Gael, the last party to rule alone were their Fianna Fáil rivals way back in 1977. I'm here in Fisborough, another part of Dublin Central, a very busy part of the constituency, in the constituency office of Pascal Donoghue, who is the Fianna Gael standard bearer in this particular contest. Pascal... There's been a surge in national support, let alone local, for Fianna Gael. Why is that? I mean, are people seriously warming to a single-party government? My own experience is that the uh, main need that people have on the doorstep, uh, which they're articulating, is they have a real desire for stability at the moment. Everybody is familiar with the terrible economic turmoil we've gone through in the last three years. But overlaid on top of that in the last six months has been real political instability which is quite a new experience for Ireland. And what I think that has fed into is that voters, while they know there is no easy way out of our economic disaster, they they desperately want some kind of stability and certainty within which the country can address the difficulty that it's in. And I think the way that's manifesting itself in is in an interest in, in 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 another large party that people feel if they vote for, is capable of providing an era or a time of relative stability. And that's really what we're responding to at the moment. And my own, my own feel is that 
you know, this kind of standard election mantra that opposition parties have rolled with since, you know, Barack Obama and so on, you know, you know, it's time for change, we need change and all that kind of, and that approach. People have actually had a colossal amount of change already. Most of the change has been negative. And what they actually want is the hope that that change will stop and a period in which we can begin to reassert ourselves and get a bit of calm into the into into homes across the country. All right, let's go. We're out to meet the people here on the streets of Fisborough, this particular part of Dublin Central. Oh, hello. How are you? Pascal Donoghue from Fine Gael. How are you? Well, we, we want to, we want to. I mean, the country, as you know, is in a terrible state. Yeah. So that's it. Sure, look, we'll leave that with you. And yeah. I'll be very grateful oh, you keep in mind. Yes. Thanks very much, yeah. and thank you for coming out to me. Goodbye now. Park and, uh, I've had no, nobody's called around to us at all from, okay. uh, from your party uh, at all. I actually did it myself. Mm. I actually Where knocked on an Iona Park. I've done it in the last... Uh, the week before last, no, we were there. I ask you a question about this health, universal health uh, sure. care. How how is that going to work? Can you just br- briefly tell me how? It's well, basically, work? what we've looked at is how other European countries organise their healthcare mm. and how they make good use of money they have. We spend around twenty billion euro per year between private and public mm-hmm. on our healthcare system. And we want to make better use of I that. Mean, but I'll just say one thing with you at the end. It is going to take time to do. Yeah. The oh, one thing we just talked about of even just changing the budgeting system, mm. that would be a gigantic change within the HSE. And we said that we think that we would need to actually be in office for two terms before we'd have the system implemented. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you'll, you'll, you'll two, 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 yeah. a decade, basically. Yeah, saying, it okay. would do. Well, the priority for, for me, Charles, is not that. It's political reform. Sure. But quickly, is that going to happen? That's well, uh, that's easier to do in many ways. Mm. I mean, ENDA has made a signature policy of political reform. Mm. And, you know, we've elements of that in relation to a referendum on the abolition of the Shannad. Mm cutting down an ab- uh, the ministerial pension piece, cars for former Taoiseach and all the rest of it. And I was saying it to my dentist yesterday, and she said, read Shane Ross's book, I think it's wasted. I'm in one of the constituency offices of the sitting Labour TD for, in Dublin Central, Joe Costello. Joe, uh, they say Labour's tide is rising in Dublin. Are you experiencing that on, on the streets of Dublin Central? We're getting a good reception on the streets, on the doors, knocking on the doors. We've been through all the constituency, we've knocked on every door virtually in the constituency at this stage with just a week to go. And um, there's a good response to Labour, there's a good response to our policies. And we have been doing the work over the years and we've been building up the Labour profile. We did very well in the local elections in 2009. And that's reflected now in the response from the people around about the constituency. Nationally speaking, the last few days have been characterised with fairly rancorous exchanges between Fine Gael and Labour, once upon a time coalition partners in government. Is that getting less likely that there will be another Labour-Fine Gael coalition? Well, it's, it's very difficult to say, um, you know... The way it is at the present time, we didn't attack Fingale, they started attacking us. They were talking about us being a high tax party, and Michael Noonan and Leo Veradiker led the charge on that. So you don't take it lying down, you're just going to have to retaliate and point out the flaws in their policies. Um, 
they obviously uh, believe that they're somewhere towards getting an overall majority with perhaps independence, perhaps with the Greens. They've shown some interest there. And of course, Fianna Fáil, under Michal Martin, has indicated that he would support a minority Fingal government. So I think they feel that their options are greater in that respect, so they've begun to attack the Labour Party. Um, we would certainly feel that uh, they will not get a majority, they will not be in a position to put together the, the government on their own, because we're going to do exceptionally well in Dublin. And when at last analysis, obviously, is that it depends on the number of seats that are, are obtained. Um, we would then look at policy matters and see whether or not there's sufficient areas that we would be able to hammer together um, a coalition strategy and a coalition manifesto. But really, in the last analysis, it will depend on what the numbers, how they fall on the day. Given the dire economic circumstances Ireland finds itself in and the pressure it's under to cut budgets and, and drive down national debt, would it not be perhaps in the long term better for Labour to be in opposition? Otherwise, if you go into coalition with a party that's fairly determined to continue the austerity measures, as Mr. Kenny has said, you can end up, your leader can end up, uh, and your party can end up as the Nick Clegg and the Liberal Democrats of Irish politics. Well, I think you have a point there. I think it's a it's a very valid point. If um, Fingal are in the ascendancy in a coalition, then we'd be better not to be there at all, because we do not believe that the present austerity measures are the way forward. We think that it will result in a deflation. People won't have spending money in their pockets. You need to have the retail sector going strong. You need a jobs stimulus package. They're not that much interested in any of that. And um, there, we would certainly have difficulty. We would certainly be quite different in the way that we would see our way out of this this um, the, the, the dire mess that we're in at the present time. We would share the view that uh, the bailout deal has to be renegotiated and has to be re- renegotiated very robustly. Uh, if it is not, then we're all in serious trouble for the foreseeable future. I'm with uh, Susie Byrne, a political blogger at momompule.com. Yeah. And Susie lives in the area, for, has lived in the inner city of Dublin, in this part of Dublin Central. So you give me a feel for this area. I mean, it's 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 very very close to the Dublin city centre, and it is quite run down in many parts. Yeah, there's a lot of this area that hasn't benefited from the so-called tiger, and we're in an area where a lot of people pass through to get into the city. A lot of people visiting from outside of Dublin, outside of Ireland, come into this area, and in Gardner Street, and beside here is Custom Hall, which is actually quite interesting in that there were a lot of tenements in this area you know, going back 40 years ago when there was housing action to build better housing. And unfortunately, what happened was the tenements were knocked down and the land was sold to private developers. So we were doing it back then, never mind during the Tiger. So there are five blocks of apartments here that were built in in 1991. And it's very representative of the transient nature of the area in that they're mainly... Uh, rented out to immigrants who are were working to prop up the economy or studying here. So there's a lot of Chinese, a lot of Polish people. And it's beside one of the oldest primary schools in uh, the country, which is called the Model School. And that's actually based on the 
the land that the Department of Education have its buildings as well. And so there's a real mixture in that school of children from immigrant communities and also children from the traditional Dublin Central working class community from Sean McDermott Street, Sheriff Street and that area as well. Okay, this area is quite obviously very working class, run down. And yet, in the last election, Fianna Fáil, Bertie Ahern's party, returned two members of parliament here. Why is that? Was there always a tradition of, of, of Fianna Fáil being able to tap into working class support? There always has been. I mean, sure, Bertie would have described himself as socialist. Even I mean, just he liked to wear other people's labels. Um, so yeah, there's always been, and I mean, they were very effective. Well, the anointer is no more. Bertie is not standing in this election. Uh, how will that be for Fianna Fáil this time around? I think it will be very difficult. It's not just the Bertie being removed, it's the general antipathy towards anything that's Fianna Fáil. Now, people are maybe more likely to go for their local candidate or for Mary Fitzpatrick, the hard-done woman. who She's played that very well, but she's also a very hard-working councillor, not in this particular area of the constituency, but more up in Cabra. And so she's hoping to benefit from both the trying to keep away from Fianna Fáil, even though she's now been appointed to the front bench, which is very interesting. She's not a member the doll, not a member of the Shannon, but she is a new Fianna Fáil frontbencher. They were that dip stuck for women as well, actually, in Fianna Fáil. Okay, we're going to play crystal ball time here. There are four seats in this constituency. We're just looking across the road there, I can see the headquarters of Joe Costello, the sitting Liberty. Is he back in? Absolutely, I think a lot of people are thinking that he's going to top the poll this time because Bertie isn't here. So yeah, I'd say Joe Costello is back in. I'd say that uh, Pascal Donoghue from Finnegale. This is his third time to try because he had he ran once and um, he also ran in the by-election. I think he will benefit from an awful lot of hard work and also the Enders breeze. Um, or Gale or uh, Cyclone whatever you want to call it um, and then for the last two seats it is uh, probably Maureen O'Sullivan who is from the Gregory Group the, the independent the, the independent. traditional independent yeah. thing that we have in this constituency and, yeah, and, it, and there is probably a, such an antipathy towards political parties that she's very safe on that then the final seat I would say is a fight between the two Marys Susie you are a political blogger uh, full time Almost. Some would say <laughs> some would say obsessive. But tell me about the role of the social media in this Irish general election. Well, they're going round. Everybody wants to call it the internet election, and I, as you call the obsessive, have been busy pointing out that it isn't the internet election. It can't be that this would be our third one if that was the case, because there was websites developed in two thousand and two, there was stuff in two thousand and seven, and here we are again in two thousand and eleven. What we have is people trying to do Obama type things. We have parties making huge mistakes. Finnegale brought us a Valentine's card last week, where you could send a Valentine to a voter who um, would uh, the valentine would be a speaking valentine with a male or a female character and the valentine would say it's the economy cupid or I I won't love you if you don't vote Fine Gael I mean it's just yeah cringe hugely cringe making Fianna Fáil haven't actually um, done a lot for a party that has a relationship with Blue State Digital who are uh, many of the people behind Obama's campaign they, Blue State Digital are consultants uh, they haven't done a huge amount except tweet an awful lot and have some videos and also then you have at the on debate nights are very interesting to watch the parties crank up their output on twitter there's also robot tweets which is where candidates 
Twitter accounts are being controlled by head office and the same tweet being sent out by all the candidates at a certain part of the day. And I set up a Twitter list and I have about 250 of the 560 candidates running for the general election have got Twitter accounts. And so I can watch the stream of what's happening when Fine Gael decide that they're going to send out a message and it's all on autopilot. And, you know, it's just the basic stuff. Twi- candidates should be able to mind their own Twitter accounts. They don't need head office to be sending out control messages, which is very much what they appear like. So you then have campaign songs and there's uh, lots of, we always have a tradition in Ireland of campaign songs and that has transferred to social media. We have rap uh, songs and uh, other stuff people are you know ripping off other songs and putting their own words to them and stuff like that so that's becoming very viral well, on well, YouTube the politicians have to dig with the kids don't they Susie yeah, yeah man well, there's a rap there was a rap launched today and we had a rap in an election two years ago it's not a very good rap one more time and two to the abyss there must be more to life than this there must be more to life than this well I want to shake up the city shake up the city that's always asleep a place that has no future it's the past that always repeats 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 I want to wake up but it's easier to go to sleep with people who spend their lives living with defeat oh Dublin is no wonder land of saints and scholars that's just what you're told that's just what you're told because now we're swapping our culture in return for Yuri dollars we're being bought and sold we're being bought and sold now we're going back to Smithfield to a pub to be precise to meet up with some bloggers and other election watchers the bar trade has taken a hammering during the recession so here we are in the Dice Bar, uh, close to the Smithfield area, very close also to the River Liffey. And uh, I'm here with a number of people, uh, including the Dice Bar's owner, Kieran Finnerty, who up until the weekend had another bar very close by. I'm also here with June Colwell, who's a writer for the Anti Room, a feminist uh, blog uh, in Ireland, uh, just been nominated for an award, uh, which commentates on social and cultural and political matters in Ireland. I have David Moran with me as well, who runs an architect business here in Dublin and lives in the Dublin Central constituency. And we have Frank Loopland, who is one of our European colleagues, originally from Belgium, but living in Ireland since 1993. And just through the door is Ken McHugh, a long-term resident of Dublin Central, has lived here mostly through all of his life and also works for an organisation called Support Against Racism Ireland. Kieran, uh, you recently, one of your businesses fell victim to the recession again. Explain what happened. Um, I set up a business called Chine uh, back in 2003 and uh, took over. You know, uh, there was a hole in the ground, basically. And these guys had moved a license up to Dublin and they wanted somebody to come in and sort of, you know, build a bar for them. So I took on a 25-year lease built the thing up from nothing to over. You know, we would have been doing up to, up to at one point, 1.2 million plus VAT. So from a zero turnover to in three or four years, that was a substantial success. But then maybe about 2008, a combination of factors hit us, which was one, they doubled, the, the government doubled the cost of staying up and light. Dublin City Council in their wisdom revalued the building and said instead of being, the rates being six and a half thousand, there were 18 and a half thousand. Suddenly the business starts to take its, you know, instead of growing, starts going down. And I'm going to the landlord from 2008 going, you know, we have to do something. You know, we can't square that circle anymore. Suddenly you're looking at maybe between 100 grand in rents, 20 grand in rates, and 50 grand in extensions per year. You're looking at 170,000 before you've done anything, before you've employed anybody, paid a DJ, anything. 
and they're sitting back going sorry we can't drop the rents you know and even up to a few months ago there was I, the last time we had a meeting oh we can't you know why should we drop the rents you signed an upward only rent review and you have a lease for 25 years so why should we do it? and you kind of go well you know the bar business is in terminal decline the country's gone bust the IMF is here commercial rents are down by half property values themselves are down by 60% you know do you want me to draw a picture of that and he's going no 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 we can't do anything and probably the reason he couldn't do anything or couldn't even address it was because he used you know these guys used those leases to capitalize went down to their bank managers and cap you know rented or borrowed a load of money on the back of having this personal guarantee from somebody and that's the collateral they used to go out and buy houses apartments whatever else which are now worth a fraction of what they paid for them so in a way you're a victim of the kind of property mania as well in a sense yes because you're dealing with you know landlords who just sort of you know refuse point blank i can't drop the rent Ken, you've lived more or less here in this constituency all your life. We've an election on, so I want to ask you this question. Politically, given the dire state of the the area we're we're very close to, who's to blame? (laughs) Well, first of all, there was a a, um, a very cosy relationship between the the government party, Fianna Fáil, uh, propped up by the the Greens for a long time, and developers, so-called developers, who are really destroyers at the end of the day. And so once that happened, once they locked into, into a position and went for a land grab of, and facilitated right across the board, not just in central government, but local government as well, the corruption was right across the board. And we could see it happening in front of us. Uh, and, and so, yeah, sure. And we're, we're to blame for electing these people in the first place, to be quite honest. June, you lived here, very close to Smithfield Square. How much of the property mania, how bad did it get? How kind of... Uh, irrational did it become? I mean, I bought in the area in 2001 under a government-backed shared ownership scheme with Dublin City Council. Um, and I bought the week that the, the scheme went up from €120,000 to 140, and they were saying, you know, buy within 10 days if you can, because as soon as the estate agents know that this loan it has gone up, this government-backed, supposedly um, per-person's loan has gone up, they will put the property prices up to match it. And that was the case. I had to rush out and buy. And I remember the estate agent saying to me, looking at us, um, watch showing you around a one-bed apartment, which is in quite a shabby order at that time. Um, you know, you've got five minutes, because I've got another client coming along and I said yeah 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 I'll put in an offer I mean it was absolutely crazy and um, at the time the loan was seven times my wage if you think about it I was a magazine editor for 20 grand and they, they lent me 140 Irish pounds which is 177,000 euros I bought the property and I sold it a couple of years later for um, twice that at 265,000 and the girl who actually bought it for me has taken a 150 grand hit on it because they're down to 109 now you became, you know, you were part of the frenzy, quick buy now, it's going to go up every week and it's, it'll keep going up, it'll never come back down and if you don't buy now you'll never have anywhere to live. And looking back it's completely insane. When I moved into the area there was great promise of, you know, as Ken pointed out, a cultural centre, there'll be new museums opening up, there'll be a cinema, there'll be a theatre, there'll be this, this, this. Smithfield Square itself was the largest purpose-built civic open civic space in Europe and it's now probably the largest big property wheelie bin in Europe. It's been a complete and utter disaster and I am so glad that I sold up and got out in time. David, you live in Drumcondra which of course was is the former impregnable fortress of Bertie Ahern, our former Prime Minister. Um, how has the downturn caused by the property crash that June talked about affected your business as an architect? The boom for me was 
like for many architects, was great. Great in some respects, it was busy. I, at times I'd turn up on building sites. I used to cycle a lot, especially if I was working in Dublin City, I'd cycle to the sites. Um, sometimes, dealing with clients, dealing with builders, developers, everybody, I'd be, you know, I'd feel a little bit out of place if I didn't turn up in a convertible sports car. Um, the boom went mad. I've never had a convertible sports car. And that, that impact, an unnatural impact, and now we've got the natural response to that. My income has been decimated for a number of points. One is the, the competition out there. There's an enormous amount of more recently graduated architects who are unemployed. And they're perfectly entitled to go and try, try and make a living. Some of them lack the experience and lack the knowledge as to how to price jobs. So they underprice. Like I know where my bottom limit is in pricing jobs and I cannot afford to compete with them. Some of them are getting government grants to set up new businesses. These are people who have no business experience. Whereas they're not helping people who have business experience, who have established and have been paying taxes and keeping their books in order for years aren't getting any support. The people who actually will help get this country back on its feet. We have an election and even even with that, regardless of what happens of the outcome, we're relying very heavily on our European partners to bail us out. The IMF, European Central Bank bailout, which is worth over 80 billion euros. We have a fellow European with us around the table today, uh, Frank. Frank, you've lived in Dublin since 1993, but you, you won't have a say in this election, isn't that right? I don't know. As a foreigner, you don't have a right to vote in Ireland, only in the local elections. And uh, as far as I know, that's more or less the same in every continental country. Yeah. But, uh, okay, as, a, as an outsider, slight outsider, you're married to an Irish woman and your children grew up here. Uh, how do you see the country now compared to a few years ago? Um, well, for me, it couldn't, it couldn't go any worse. Um, although I think for the next few years the economy will get a, a big hit. Uh, everyone thinks it's over, but uh, it's far from over. And they will see that in the next two years, if you ask me. June, one of the most striking things of the leaders, the, the main leaders debate the other night was you had five men uh, debating the future of the country, no women. And representation is pretty poor from women, both in the toilet present and probably after, would you mm. not say? We have 50% of the population represented in this election by 15% of candidates. It's an untenable situation. And, you know, normally I would never have agreed previously, previous to this point in time of, of gender quotas. But um, I would find them quite cringy. But I think we really do have to do something because it's just unsustainable. Um, and women have to get more involved in politics and be encouraged to get involved in politics because what has happened here, as we've seen, is a little boys club has sunk the country into the ground with a mix of blind machismo and dodgy economics. Let's say the lifetime of the next government by the end of it. Will you be optimistic or pessimistic about the country's prospects and indeed this particular area? Kieran? I'd be more, I mean, I, th I always thought that as soon as this whole, as soon as the IMF appeared in the door, they should have called an election there and then because the previous power had lost any legitimacy. And I think it would generally just uplift the mood of the country, regardless of who gets in. 
mm-hmm. the next. Just the fact that the current shower are going to be gone. Fianna Fáil are going to be gone, and the Green Party are going to be gone. And the reason the Green Party are going to be gone and obliterated is because the Irish people are sitting there thinking, I don't, really, I don't have time to save the planet anymore. I need to save myself. What about you, Ken? Do you, th- do you think that they can turn it around, that Mr Kenny can perhaps be the saviour? No, I, you know I think it's uh, very much a uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum Dum in many ways about the when Kenny's when Kenny's there. You know it's, it doesn't show a uh, very enthusiastic leadership. Um, I probably won't be around to be honest. I think I'll get out for this. I think the third time I've, I've left the country. Yes, in the in despair. I really at this stage now it's sunk to the to as far as it'll go. And um, it's, it's bottom basement here. You know, and it, like it's Dublin Central. You know, it's over forty percent of the population here is born overseas. And as Frank is saying, they, they don't get a say in, 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 the, in, the, in, in deciding on the politicians, apart from at a local level. So, you know, they, maybe the immigrants who have come in can, can if we can basically uh, mobilise them, can make a major contribution. A lot of them have uh, skills and experience from other countries who have been through crisis and they, they're, they're, uh, they're tough people and they can, they can, they're resilient. And I think that's the people we need on board. Frank? Again, as a slight outsider looking in, you're halfway, you've got one foot in it. Do you think the, the Irish will trade themselves, work themselves out of this recession? Eventually they will do, yeah, but uh, it will take a long time. And I'm not Irish, but I, living here, I feel ashamed that the IMF and the EU have to bail out the Irish. Fianna Fáil, uh, is it like, are we talking about Mark Twain here? Are, the, are reports of their death grossly exaggerated, or, or are we accurate about that? You know, never underestimate them. They've, been, they've done it under De Valera, under the Lamas. They've reinvented themselves. There's no pro- proper political education in this country. You know, as far as I'm concerned with Fianna Fáil, I think they've like entered the cul-de-sac of satire, and they're not going to come back out again. As far as I'm concerned now, looking back, we've been ruled by a bunch of Bugsy Malone children, and you know, it's, they're not going to get back in and never be taken as seriously again. So I, would, I don't know if I would agree with Ken that they still have the power that they do have I think um, as far as the country's concerned I, do, I don't think anyone's going to take them as seriously as they have done in the past If Fianna Fáil do survive it's not going to be the same Fianna Fáil in the past uh, I am quite astonished as well of the lack of demonstration over the past few months uh, I think there were more demonstrations in the 80s when things weren't nearly mm. as bad yeah. and I find it absolutely astonishing um, Fianna Fáil um, if they do survive, as I said, it'll be a, an entirely different party. The sequel, which bears no resemblance to the original. I put a bet on with somebody at, at, at before Christmas that uh, Fianna Fáil, 50 euros, that Fianna Fáil would be back with less than 20 seats. And the guy's in Sinn Féin, you know, and he's going, oh, I'd love to believe that he says, but, you know, it can't possibly happen. So he's going to owe me 50 quid. Can I just say that um, one, one advantage, if there is any, is that we can let go of our obsession with 1916 and the rising and our need to, like, fall around the place singing rebel songs. Because as far as I'm concerned, 2016, there's going to be far more um, reason to riot than there was 100 years ago. So let's get the notebooks out and start writing some new songs. I, I think on that note, uh, we'll conclude this discussion and that historic prediction. Let's wait the next 2016 and see if we get a new rising. Thank you all. So, what happens next after February the 25th? In the words of the poet W.H. Auden, Ireland has her madness and her weather still. But that ever-present force in Irish politics, Fianna Fáil, are almost certainly entering their last week of government for some time, perhaps even decades. How Ireland recovers financially is another question altogether. 
I'm Henry MacDonald, and you can find full coverage of this historic election at guardian.co.uk forward slash Ireland. And you can follow me on Twitter at Henry MacDonald. The producer was Phil Maynard. And thanks for listening. And goodbye from Dublin. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.